Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy. I'm back for another fun-filled episode with Alex, my producer. How are you? I'm good. I'm super producer Alex, and I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming today. And um, we have a lot to talk about because, you know, we give Florida a hard time on this show. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing it to Florida. Florida's had enough, especially with the Gabby Petito Brian laundry stuff. Let's give them a little break. Okay, we can do that. So, um... What, what else do we have then? Oh, we're getting really close to home now because you and I live in Boulder, Boulder, Boulder Colorado, yeah. just up the street from Denver, Colorado, which mm-hmm. is kind of our local big town, if you will. So get this, a woman allegedly broke into the home of a Denver couple, poured herself a glass of wine, takes a bath in their tub where she was found. So she just let herself in, <laughs> got some wine. And apparently the, you know, the owners of the house, the residents were there. So it's a couple. And they say after they were hearing the sounds of, of the door uh, to one of the bathroom doors, they heard it was closing. And then the get, guest bedroom door just slammed shut. Like what on earth? So they call the police and they fled the house. They got, you know, out. And uh, so they were home. In. Oh, yeah, they were home. It was evening. Like they were getting ready for bed. Oh, and uh, so here's the problem that I have is that um, if you're going to take a bath and someone else is like, that is not a quick getaway situation. Like you're, you're there for a while. (laughs) Apparently you've never played that game where if you cover up your eyes with your hands, no one can see you. You're invisible. Is that what went on? You think? (laughs) I think that's what she probably did. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I would just be terrified if it was my house. I'm like, what is going on? Oh my God. Thankfully the police did not just, you know, arrest her and throw her in the tank. They, they took her to a local hospital to get checked out. Um, and you know, the, the owners of the house, they, they said it went from, it kind of went from a feeling of sheer terror to just feeling sad for this person because she just wanted a bath. I guess. And I wonder if she, some was, wine. So, you think yeah. she was getting ready for a date or something or like what? Don't, don't, don't you start with me. I wonder if she'd been there before. Stop it. Do not start with me. You've been on a few dates. Yeah, but I bathe at home. I have a, my own home that I can bathe in. Thank you. I don't even try and bend this on me. I know where you're going. Uh, well, <laughs> so, so this was harmless. This was a little harmless thing that went on. And, uh, you know, my guest today did some harmless things, quote, harmless things. Oh, is this the guy who, this is the guy who was monkeying with the, with the white house people, wasn't he? Yeah. He hacked into the white house emails. Yeah. Okay. During the last administration. And so what did he, well, tell me about this guy. What's his name? James, James Linton. And he's a, he's a British guy. So you got to be ready to listen to some, to interpret, right. Interpret a little bit. He's, he's, he's pretty good though. But, Mm -hmm. um, he made he made uh, world news for hacking uh, in. Uh, oh, the mooch. Emails. He hacked the mooch, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Scaramucci, <laughs> the head of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. Sarah Sanders. Mm-hmm. And he um, gave out some invites to uh, Jared Kushner's house. 
<laughs> dinner and Wait, is there, is there mo- oh just dinner so there was not a dinner plan these people just showed up over there well we don't know if they showed up or what happened because he kind of just he he has a, a system he's been doing this for years and he just does it to screw with people and um <laughs> is like, it people he doesn't like or uh, it's people in the news so it's people that just sort of need it yeah, but he's going to tell us all about his system and and really what it is is social engineering and how to get people to respond and how to how to get them to feel like they trust you and know you when it's just words on a screen. Oh, that's fascinating. I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah, he, so he's really something. When he was he was inviting them over to the to Kushner's house, was there actually something planned at Kushner's house or did they just show up at the door? I don't know. We don't know if they showed up or what, because he, he kind of just does his little thing and then he and then he, he'll go away. And then he, uh, he's going to tell us how he outed himself accidentally. I think what he should have done is he should have gotten because Sarah Sanders was one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, every time I think of her, I think of her in that big pink dress that she'd show up at behind the podium or the lectern there uh, during press when they did press conferences Yeah, uh, during the first half of the administration, but mm-hmm. she would show up about once every 10 or 12 days in that big pink dress that made her look like a giant piece of bubblicious. <laughs> I, I can't think of her in any other context at this point. Well, but so you know, I'm um, wondering if they could, if he could just maybe send her an invitation to, you know, swing by the Kushners about 10 o'clock tonight and have a glass of wine and a bath. Maybe, or maybe, you know what, maybe that person who went to this place in Denver was sent by him. We don't know. It's entirely possible. We may yeah. never know, but you know what? Let's let's get in because this is actually super fascinating how he does this, and there and there's a lot to be learned about relating to people and likability, but also, um, you know, maybe getting him to do things that's not in their best interest. So um, it's it's pretty interesting. Well, this sounds fascinating. Let's get into it. Let's do it. James, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-ups. I'm I'm really I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you, Tracy. No, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's nice to get about and chat with people. Uh, obviously, during the lockdown, it's um, been something that we've all been deprived of to a certain extent, unless you count cats and family members. So it's nice to <laughs> chat to somebody, another human um, on another side of uh, the Atlantic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Different than my husband and far, far away. So yeah, I, I like it. Now, we got in touch over LinkedIn and I was just so fascinated at your, uh, I don't know if you want to call it accomplishments or, uh, or, or what, but you, um, you managed to do some pretty interesting hacking and, um, why don't you tell us like a little bit about you first? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is James Linton, obviously. Um, and I, up until four years ago, I worked in advertising as a a web designer. Mm -hmm. So, Kind of, you, you sort of get immersed in um, almost, I know you're very into kind of body language, but, you know, user experience language. So yeah. colors that encourage uh, more clicks, perhaps, and things like this. So I'd always had a bit of a um, a leaning towards the psychology of things and, and how things kind of worked um, on a, a sort of a cause and effect level, I guess. Um, and... Yeah, it, it kind of, uh, my curiosity centered around email and, you know, one thing led to another and now I'm speaking to you. So it was a series of <laughs> um, interrelated events, but they all have the same thing 
underlying them all. And, and that thing was this fascination with um, what's actually proving somebody's identity online and how easy it would be to pass yourself off as somebody else, you know, in the flesh, probably couldn't do it. I've got quite a few tattoos and stuff. I couldn't yeah. pretend to be someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't enough <laughs> sort of uh, stick on moustaches in the world to do that. But online, it's a very different story. And, and mm-hmm. that was the kind of um, the sort of nucleus of what I was doing. I was just looking at my email uh, inbox one day and I just thought even the email address has kind of been removed in this personalization of stuff you know emails wanted to say you know hi dave rather than kind of um dave.smith at thingy so mm-hmm. in an effort to make the technology more personable we were actually kind of reducing the tells and and we were connecting with it more i guess we were trusting it yeah um that and and the second part to that was thinking right well what is there apart from a name we trust the name what would ever make us click that button and and see what that email address actually is and I I, I just kind of hypothetically thought well you know if you match somebody's tone um the the kind of language they use and and things like that I can't see a reason why you'd question it so that was the kind of that was the experiment I set up in my head um obviously I I, I then went on to (laughs) to roll that out to the experimental stages. Um, and it, it kind of, it, it did sort of um, developed a life of its own, I guess, a kind of voyage of discovery for me, finding out how um, far, well, I guess how far I could take this um, experiment and, and also along the way discovering, you know, just how many criminals rely on deceiving people um, identity-wise online. You know, it's an epidemic almost um, problem out there. And a lot of the time, law enforcement can't really do a huge am- amount about it. So I became a very much an advocate for trying to, because people don't care. I didn't care about security, but just trying to get people to um, understand it with, I guess, the truth of my story and saying, look, I didn't care, but <laughs> I went through all this. And now I realize why you should. How can I kind of, what can I say that will, you know, latch into your beliefs? Because right. that's the problem. Yeah. So, so you, you, you made an impact on the world news uh, one day <laughs> when, when um, you, <sighs> you ended up hacking the White House or, or at least uh, high, high senior level officials. So why don't you tell us about that? And then let's back into how you got there. Yeah, yeah sure. So, the White House, the, um, I'd, I'd kind of gone through various steps to this point and I'd had success. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, what is the, and it, it was very much a kind of um, comic outlook I was taking. It was like, you know, what is the most secure place out there? You know, what is the, the biggest bastion of safety and trust? And uh-huh. I kind of thought, you know, Fort Knox, could it be that? Or uh, sort of, and then, but, oh, the White House. And yeah, so I just kind of, I had a few techniques in my back pocket right there. Nothing, when I, I think it's worth clarifying what we mean by, I know they said hooker then, I went hacker, what I mean by hacker, because mm-hmm. hacker to me, with my kind of, uh, my advancing years and, and just seeing films, was people that kind of, 
you know, did a lot of that, had a hoodie up, and they uh-huh. got into mainframes and kind of stuff like that. Yeah, you gotta have is. a hoodie to be a hacker. Like, yeah, sure. yeah, true. Yeah. And I do own some. Um, <laughs> so uh, but this isn't my mum's basement. I must clarify that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did break the break the norms. You know, I've got my own place. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> a fully grown adult almost. Um, but yeah, it, it became a case of so a hacker is just somebody who kind of uses something in a way it wasn't intended, I guess. So mm-hmm. this is why you see all these um, hairstyle hacks and, and, and all things like this. It's, it's ways of doing stuff using something mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect to be able to do. And my hacking um, specialism was, I guess, hacking people um, is what you would say. It was, or social engineering yeah, is social another engineering, term it goes yeah. by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what, it, I didn't know it was called this at the time um a friend Richard um he sort of once the White House story got out he, he said do you realize you are this a, a social engineer and I was like no it sounds pretty good though being an engineer <laughs> um so yeah going back to the White House I was I was it was my intention to hack the people there and it was my intention to do that um using email mm-hmm. um I did have a kind of another thing I must caveat that I never kind of I was never after the keys to the safe. I was never after, you know, soliciting um, documents out of people or, or causing any, you know, major kerfuffle. It was more of a, I like to refer to it as a digital custard pie. I would approach somebody as a real person, as somebody uh, the target knew. Mm-hmm. And then I would um, gain trust with the, the first few emails. And then I would just take the story on a slightly left field slightly bizarre slant and see at what point they actually fell off the hook and thought hang on a minute Um, okay okay so let's let's dive into this a little bit let's not gloss over it so um because um that's that's what we do here is dig deep so how how are you gonna okay so you get someone's email how how do you get their email because i i have a couple ways to get emails but what's your way to get emails it depends if it's a celebrity it's it's a lot harder in some respects because you can't just guess it. You can't just think, oh, maybe it's, you know, um, john.doe at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. It very well might be, but if you send an email to that, you could be stuck in this kind of never zone of being talking to another person that's pretending yeah. to be that. So uh-huh. you have to be able to validate it. And the White House was specifically wasn't that hard. I did think, um, you know, it, it's going to be tricky to get hold of, but the problem is, and this is the same with any kind of outward facing office. You do have sub branches or people in the office that communicate externally. So you have maybe people in PR or media. Um, and I found out over time that, you know, the white house, more or less most members of um, the staff there, the administration did ha- exchange emails with reporters. So there was this kind of, uh, flow of information and different people engaging with with members there um but i did a bit of googling i kind of um you know started with the very obvious like what is the white house's email mm-hmm. like i even <laughs> sent a test one i even sent a test one and this is so embarrassing looking back to like president at uh, whitehouse.gov which is their kind of website's email address so it's uh-huh. kind of grasping at straws and y- you don't this that's kind of the fun bit trying to narrow down and 
rule out what it isn't so you can kind of find out what it is and and, and in the end it, i kind of figured out what the uh, domain name they use was and it turns out they've used it for years it's not a it's not reinvented every time they have a new administration they have a legacy of using this particular oh. can um, you share it or is that too top secret i, I, I don't know because I, I can i can share it i can't remember what it is though uh, so it was it, it'll be in print somewhere um and and the um the vice president they have another one i think it's got um wh oh so white house office dash i can't remember what and then there was the the vice president so it was two little nucleuses of email addresses basically mm-hmm. people that were in each one's camp i guess um and then i had a look um <laughs> Because I, I didn't really know much about American politics at the time. This was kind of, you know, this was a grand day out for me. I was trying to educate <laughs> yeah. and learn as I went. So I Googled who was in the administration, had a quick look down. And the one that really jumped out um, was Tom Bossett, who was the head of Homeland Security and in charge of um, all the, the kind of cyber stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought he would be really, you know, a good um, person to trick. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kind of, I don't know, you know, it's nice for my ego, and it, it's just funny that I would be able to trick somebody who was couldn't have more awareness of these um, mm-hmm. of being tricked, of phishing, of all these other types of ways of tricking people. So mm-hmm. if I could trick him, it kind of shows that you can't one hundred percent make the right decisions as a human. As humans, we are going to make mistakes because um, people like me can you know, pull a few little wires and, and get it to go through. Um, so he, he he seemed like the one that I really wanted to um, trick. So once you've got the domain name, obviously you've got the bit that sits before that. Now, mm-hmm. it could be first name dot last name. It could be uh, first initial last name. It could be, there's a, there's quite, there's probably about 20 combinations, I would say. It gets trickier. Um, and in the States, they use the middle name a lot. So oh. if they've got like two underscores and a middle initial mm-hmm. and <laughs> the biggest problem in my life at the time, if if they were like um, something, something junior, so it had the J-R oh. bit as well, uh-huh. it was kind of, but it, it wasn't an impossible task because much like a private number plate, most people want their email address to represent as closely as they can. Mm-hmm. their name you know it is a it is a, a marker of an identity most people wouldn't like to be called five seven x y you don't asterisk, think? Would they? Yeah. um so I, I put in maybe five or six of the ones i thought it was most likely to be using tom's name and i hit send and nothing no bounce backs oh nothing at all um then it dawned on me what i was doing i was currently sending an email without using a VPN or anything, because I didn't see what I was doing that was uh-huh. particularly wrong. I was now trying to trick um, the head of Homeland Security that I was Jared Kushner. Thankfully, all I'd done is invite him to a party that I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the kind of uh, my sort of MO at the time to keep it um, sort of nice and light. So then I kind of forgot about it. I had this sort of realisation that, oh, God, maybe I've gone a bit too far. Um, and then I can't remember if it was because of the, uh, it being in the States. I obviously, I was aware of the time zones at the time. But I was driving home from uh, work the next day, and I saw 
on my lock screen come up Tom Bossett's name and some text under it because mm-hmm. I had in the kind of uh, sat nav position in a holder. Um, so I just flew off, <laughs> flew off the road. Suddenly, I was I was completely back in there for the yeah. This is gonna this could be really fun. Uh-huh. Know, the excitement, the adrenaline was going again. Um, and I picked up the uh, phone and I could see that he, he you know he accepted my offer um, to come to the um, the party I was arranging. And he'd even offered up um, if you ever need it. Here's my personal email address. So I'd, I'd not tricked that out of him, but he'd offered it as you know a way for him and Jared to have a more personal mm-hmm. conversation, I guess, about this party. Uh-huh. Um, so that for me was a kind of a really big thing to have done, especially as somebody who knew nothing about threats and had just gone through a, th- a few, well, quite a few experimental stages up to that part. It kind of showed that one, you can't educate somebody to the point where they are just a machine that is able to spot every type of trick in the book. And you mm-hmm. also can't, um, I forgot what I was going to say then. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm so, autistic and I've got ADHD, so sometimes I just go and, and so forget let's, how speaking. Let's talk about this because okay, so so we we talked about how you um, how you find the emails, right? And so there's a little bit of a guessing game. Now, have you ever uh, heard of that site, Hunter.io? Yeah, yeah, um, I used is, it. Is that and, helpful in in this situation? Isn't it? What? Well, sorry. Is it helpful in a situation like this? Um, it can be, yeah. And I, I've seen, um, I did go and work in um, threat research for a uh, Silicon Valley-based email defense company afterwards off the back of um, mm-hmm. my kind of media attention. Um, and we saw actual criminals who were using Hunter.io for getting email addresses and stuff. Um, I think my point of view is that if you create an email address, you've got to plan for the event of it getting out because it's very hard to have an email address that nobody knows about or that doesn't, even if you keep it as safe as you can be, if you've used it in a service somewhere and they have a data breach, then, you know, it's out into the open anyway. So my advice is always just never rely on hiding it as, you know, a safe thing. Obviously certain CEO positions and stuff, it's worth doing that because you don't want, the deluge of customers contacting you all day long. You kind of want to make it a little bit harder, I guess. Um, but yeah, even, even even kind of then, I would just say, if you've got an email address, assume it's going to get out and, and never sort of think it's safe because you've not put it anywhere. Because if it's in a PDF somewhere, if it's even on LinkedIn, um, we have new people start at an email security company and within three days they were getting the first BC email coming through and they'd only had that email address for three days. And the only place it had been is LinkedIn. So it was already scraped and the first, um, you know, identity deception came through to them. And wow. so then, so then so what, um, how, how are you, how, how long did it take you to get the chief of Homeland security to agree to a party because or to come to a party at Jared Kushner's house. And so there, there's a lot that goes into that because like, did you just have a Yahoo at email address like Jared Kushner at Yahoo or what'd you do? I think for that one, um, because I created, obviously we've not gone over that bit yet, but I, this wasn't the first time I'd kind of done somebody uh, uh-huh. <laughs> was kind of in the public. I'd gone uh-huh. through most, well, most of the top banks in the U S the bank of England um Barclays I'd, I'd kind of 
I'd trick quite a few people at uh-huh. a high level, I guess, and, and that had been recognized. So um, going in for Tom, I sort of, I had a, a game plan. I had a thing that I always did on um, on autopilot. And, it, it, you know, I would view it now as social engineering tactics. And I always wanted to use the, the bare minimum of effort because I don't, I don't know, it just seemed more fun that way if I was using as, as little effort as possible. You know, I wasn't uh-huh. spending night after night doing research into these things. I love the fact that it was so visceral and I came up with it there and then and off it went. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with the Tom Bossett one, the email was set up and then two hours later I had sent it out to him. You know, that's how fast it had gone, but it was just a Gmail account. Mm-hmm. It wasn't trying to be anything there was no, um, it's called spoofing, where you try and make the email address look like it's from, um, you know, a proper email address. I didn't know about that. I didn't even know that was a thing. So everything I did was just a free webmail account. I went through mail.com, I went through Yahoo, I went through, because you can only create so many on one phone. It, yeah. it's, they, they, it's, you start to hit restrictions. So I was using anything I could get my hands on, really. It didn't matter to me. Um, as long as I could just put the name at the top that I was pretending to be and then jump into it. But to return to the Tom Bossett one, how did he kind of accept it? Um, it was just one message that I sent, and it was using all the kind of tactics that I now think um, are, are really quite powerful. And that was to, obviously, I knew who I wanted to trick. I, I knew it was going to be um, Tom. I knew that I kind of ideally wanted to be Jared. Um, so obviously I needed Tom's um, email address and we covered how I got hold of that. Mm-hmm. Next, I needed a way of, a, a hook, I kind of call it. This, um, some people call it a pretext, this kind of information that is shared by both of them. Yeah. Um, and I very much think that having that, just even a mention of something like that just completely diffuses especially if the email's not kind of asking for anything directly, it kind of diffuses um, the person reading it because it doesn't have the appearance of a threat. Everything that they think a threat is, it's not looking like that. And this is the kind of problem you do try and hide in the shadows and the the kind of boring day-to-day stuff because you just can't pick up on that. Um, So the hook, I I put both their names into a Google search, uh, filtered it by news, and the first story that came up, they'd both been on a um, a trip to Iraq, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So I thought, right, what kind of reference? I'm inviting him to a party because <laughs> I already knew I was going to do that because uh, it, it was. I saw it's a safe way of being able to trick people and not have the authorities come crashing through my house. Yeah, if you know the person that I tricked didn't really want it brought up again, so it was kind of the uncashable check. Um, but yeah, I put it in and I saw they've been in Iraq and I thought, and there wasn't much more detail than that. And I thought, well, they ate in Iraq. So if I reference in it at the party, there will be food there, which will be at least comparable to that, which we ate in Iraq. I'm not saying they ate together. I'm not saying, all I'm saying is you ate when you were in Iraq. Yeah. So that kind of, that, you, that, kind of super personal truth which mm-hmm. wasn't it was just one mention in a news story kind of diffused him I think and you know he just instantly replied saying yes uh, be happy to come uh, here's my email address if you ever <laughs> ever want to um, speak to me again it was actually on Jimmy Kimmel um, after it was he, he did a whole thing on his show about 
spearfishing off the back of this happening to mm-hmm. um, Tom Bossett. And he, he, he said, I should have said, the party was later on that day, get into fancy dress and come and meet me in the Oval Office. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which would have been fun. That would have been funnier. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, I think that's why it did get onto Jimmy Kimmel and stuff, because what I was doing, you don't think it should be possible to do it. You think that some sort of technology is going to prevent people, idiots like me from being able to trick people uh-huh. um, with just their phone and, you know, a free... Um, email account and, and people extrapolated from that I think you know what happens if there's a whole raft of people in um you know a, a kind of um some sort of nation state that really want to cause trouble you know how how easy is it for them so yeah it, it was kind of because and this was only in 2017 so it wasn't a million years ago by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination and that was the kind of the state of play at the time I think it was um it certainly opened my eyes and i found it that fascinating that i was lucky enough to end up working in email security which i still do well okay so let's talk, how'd you get found out and pinpointed um so i'd already done um the wall street banks had already done the bank of england and i tricked mm-hmm. them and, and all that stuff um I was kind of like a very rubbish Banksy, I thought, at this point. Um, Somebody somebody with more control might have been able to just do, you know, a prank a year and kind of keep it going for ages. But with me, I was just a bit too kind of giddy. And I didn't know anything about operational security. Everything I sent would have had my IP address all over it. Um, But again, that kind of shows, and and this reflects in um, the the kind of cyber criminal world, that there isn't any kind there aren't any repercussions for doing stuff unless you've seriously got some money sat in a bank somewhere yeah. and it's easy to get hold of if that's not the case then you know you're going to find it very hard to to take it through um sorry what, what was i saying just before that I can't remember oh really. um what were we talking about oh how'd you get found out oh yeah um yeah my stupidity i doxed myself um no, you didn't it was wait. kind of uh, doxed it's where you if somebody doxes you they kind of release your personal information into okay. the wild you know it can happen mm-hmm. to reporters it can happen to um activists and stuff how you know people find out where they are and basically the um the, the white house story had really taken off and i just kind of added um like a gofundme i thought it'd be fun if i could get enough to do a kind of book or you know, to get paid <laughs> to do a few more pranks. Yeah. Uh-huh. At this point, I sort of sensed that my actual real career was kind of crumbling around, down around me uh-huh. um, because it had got a little bit out of control. Um, it was good. I was after a career change, so it, it was kind of the opportune moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I put this GoFundMe up and stupidly, I just linked my account to it, my <laughs> PayPal account. Uh-huh. It, just, it just sort of littered up my full name and address. Um, and then a few people started saying, do you realize there's an address here? And I was just kind of replying back, going, oh, yeah, you don't think it's my real address, do you? Winky face. Um, but by then, the media really wanted to, you know, to, to put more of a story to it. I was kind of, um, they were really, especially the Daily Mail, they kind of um, hounded my ex and stuff and camped out on the road. And That's how they it, do it, Daily it, Mail. That's how they do. I, I interview for them sometimes, uh, with them sometimes for, uh uh prince harry and all that and yeah they're um they're like pit bulls 
Yeah, in the end, I had to do the kind of the main story with them um, because I felt I had no other option, really, to be fair. And they, they've used pictures of my, like, my brother's kids, but kind of blurred their eyes out like they were in the SAS and stuff. And it was like, yeah, no. So it, yeah, I'll never be proud of that. Um, but yeah, in, in a way, it, it came to a close at, at the perfect opportunity for me to go, right, I've done this what actually happens in the criminal world, you know, what in the emails that are coming through, what are you trying to stop? And uh, the company I went to work for, they were doing something quite innovative where they were intercepting uh, emails that were coming into their customers and they were interacting with them as if they were the CEO or the mm-hmm. uh, financial controller. Yeah. And then we were getting, um, the when they were going, you know, we need to make a rushed invoice payment to, x uh, what do you need for me to get it done and we'd go you know just the bank details please they'd send the bank details over we'd pass that on to the bank and then we go <laughs> we never tired of coming up with ways that that bank account wasn't quite right mm-hmm. um, but the, you know the lure of money that they you know they've got another bank account to send you over within minutes and then you there's a problem with that and so then there's another one that takes them about an hour for that one um and this once this went on for about a week or longer and we got like 15 accounts off one person so mm-hmm. in a way I felt like we were really doing some good stuff there and we definitely were feeding them in because if you shut down one bank account somewhere that could be having money from different places because mm-hmm. the, the biggest problem that um, criminals outside of especially the states where it was focused have is you know laundering that money back to them and they would use you know romance uh, scam victims and stuff like this their bank accounts to get the funds there to then have that pass back to whichever country they resided in. So it was fascinating really getting to see that whole side of things and getting to look through scammers inboxes and, and see how they kind of approach stuff. And oh, it was wow. a, a very different world from what I was used to. Um, it, it was kind of leagues behind in terms of the finesse of what they were doing. A lot of it was almost like a horoscope in so much as it was going to, appeal to as wider a number of people um, and be kind of generic and um, the threats that they were sending out just to have the scale. And they weren't even keeping track of who they were sending them out to. Um, I mean, things have changed though. I have noticed in the last, and this is only kind of three and a bit years, things have definitely got better. Threats that you would have laughed at back then have started to come through. So I think the pandemic's been great for companies that are kind of addressing um, how more, you know, sort of um, satellite-based sort of mm-hmm. um, networking security is done. But I think criminals have also had a bit of time on their hands to kind of dig into what's involved in cybercrime mm-hmm. um, and how they can kind of tap into uh, what's going on. And the problem with these ransomware headlines and stuff is that's basically promotional material for <laughs> a ransomware franchise, isn't it? It's yeah, for a new, criminals new career will see path, that yeah. Yeah, they will be, you know, kind of wanting to um, have a piece of that. So it's endless, I think, trying to close the gaps. But um, yeah, I'm just so lucky that I found a career that I love. And there was so many people that were just completely welcoming and trusting. And um, because that was always a worry at the beginning. It's like, who's going to trust me with their Amazon logins? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I kind of knew that I was kind of ethically and morally, um, you know, quite careful. I never gave out the email addresses I got to 
everyone you know i kind of i did the prank and then it was completely forgotten about i wouldn't contact them again or you know it was that was kind of it now now how did it end because because you invited him to a party but then do you just disappear and just be like all right i got it and i'm good or did, was there like a- i think um i think i did follow it up I, um, I can't remember what i said but he didn't reply so i can only assume that maybe a little later on or maybe even more um, glorious would have been if he actually bumped into Jared um, in the office and <laughs> said, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the party that we're going to. And Jared would be like, huh? I'm not mixing with you. Um, so yeah, but he wasn't the only one at the White House. I kind of went for Anthony Scar- went for. I collaborated with Anthony Scaramucci as well. Oh my gosh. He was only in there. He was in there for what 10 days, was it? I think famously or something like that. Uh Um, And I pranked the living daylights out of him on the Friday and he was gone by the Monday. So I don't think it triggered that, but I think it can't have helped at the time that he'd, um, I pretended to be Renis Priebus. Um, Apologies if I've not said that correctly. Um, And I just felt like prodding him. He just, rolled in with his mirrored aviators on and I just thought you look like a real character uh-huh. would be quite interesting um I just went in and I, I was really quite ballsy and I was I kind of really um <laughs> he got quite angry I think he got that angry <laughs> that he, or that annoyed that he reached out to John Huntsman Jr um uh-huh. asking him you know are you around um right now um and kind of half embarrassingly, I'd also contacted just to have some uh, redundancy. I'd also contacted um, <laughs> Anthony as John, as a fake John Huntsman Jr. So all of a sudden, that email account's getting. <laughs> so I'm like pushing Anthony a bit with a, a few things, saying that you know um, I don't trust you. I can't remember what I, I said to him. Um, and then all of a sudden, he's contacting me as John Huntsman to say, "Are you about? Um, you know, he'd like a chat." And then um, I was kind of like, uh, no, I'm kind of indisposed <laughs> at the minute. Um, but it was this kind of weird sandwich of just me on my phone and there's kind of this administration member kind of trapped between two fake people. Uh-huh. Um, and then all of a sudden I was contacted by a friend of uh, Scaramucci's. I can't remember his name. I think he was some sort of publicist, I think. Um, and I was like, how the hell is he contacting me? Because I hadn't given out, the only person that had my email address was Scaramucci. Uh-huh. Um, so all of a sudden I'm in a weird conversation with somebody else and he thinks that I'm um, Renis Priebus as well. And he's asking me to apologize on Twitter for something. And I'm like, uh... and then eventually Jake Tapper and <laughs> ended up in the conversation. It, it was so surreal. Um, and he managed to make sense of it and, you know, I couldn't not let him have the kind of, that was when the White House story, I just went, you've made sense of it. You can use it on your show. I want nothing more to kind of, I don't even want to try and figure out what's been happening. Um, but yeah, I, I then after the first, I'm not going to call it attack, the collaboration with the White House, uh-huh. I then tried it again, 30, I think it was 30 days later, um, just to see if it, just to see if anything had changed, if I could still do it. Um, because I don't know, in my head, I saw me checking them and then people rushing around and, you know, pulling levers and pressing switches and uh-huh. getting that bit of alien technology that stops emails. And, you know, America's got it all, haven't they? They can kind of, they can stop some, 
some, some British person um, from kind of uh, trolling them <laughs> remotely. Um, but this time, I actually used my, by this time I'd, I'd registered the email prankster.co.uk uh, domain name. Oh. So I just used that and, and pretended to be somebody else. And uh, Sarah Sanders was replying to that. And Oh, shoot, uh, you got Sarah Sanders too? <laughs> Ty, Ty Cobb, who was um, the White House counsel, lead counsel at the time, he was replying to me. I was being, oh, what's his name he likes to play? I can't remember what he was, but they were having um, a bit of a beef with a journalist. And I knew the journalist. Um, so I spoke to him and I said, you know, I'm going to wind him up now. Uh, I managed to trick him into saying that, you know, I was I was going to get her um, Twitter account closed down and, you know, I was speaking to people and he was like, yeah, come on, have we got any kind of drone time left? You know, jokingly, he didn't uh-huh. honestly want to reap her. Um, but yeah, it, it was a kind of fascinating time of um, seeing what the formula was for tricking someone, basically, and, and could it be refined and what how much information did you need? Because so often... People say, be careful what you post online because, you know, it can be used against you. And that's very true. But for the majority of us, um, that doesn't come up. If we, you know, if we're at work, when we're exchanging emails with somebody, not a huge amount of our personality is in that reply. Um, I think people think that is the kind of a universal language everywhere when a lot of it is very generic Yeah. uh, to a certain extent. There's not much that actually gives the personality that you've got to the messaging. So you really don't need much at all. You only need a few small bits of stuff, which I've kind of hypothesized. You could kind of build something that, that did that, not them going to, obviously. I prefer stopping it than doing it. Um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of fascinating how, um, how we interact with stuff, I guess, and how we trust it and how. Wow. Now, um... What so are you working for a company now? You're working for yourself. No, um, I, I worked for two and a half years, um, for a US company, and then I was made redundant at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And having an unusual CV, um, and, and kind of having worked on unusual projects and the pandemic being so uncertain, I thought. I can't send this. I can't send this to companies. They'll just be like, uh-huh. you know, "What is this? Is this a joke? This thing?" Because um, people have been careful, and it it really takes somebody who can see where I would be useful to make me fit in. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it, it's just hard for me to to know that, especially not knowing the, the security industry. So I thought, you know, okay, what if I enjoyed doing? Well, I've been in the industry and I've enjoyed doing talks and kind of helping people come on my journey through my story. So from not caring from and the first, it, it all started off uh, me doing pranks at work as my CEO. And those were the most heart stopping times. Uh-huh. Um, if he came back in the office unexpectedly and I was halfway through congratulating somebody for being selected for the intercompany mm-hmm. games downstairs, all of a sudden, um, I think it was fear and adrenaline. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, I think people can put themselves in my shoes and come through that and actually mm-hmm. start to see um, the story, I guess, behind it, which, you know, awareness, people don't like it. And I can see why it's just, if you've gone 10 years using email and you've not seen any visible side effects or problems, you've got no credibility if somebody's coming in and going, you need to be worried about this. You need to be worried about that. So 
yeah, I've just been kind of exploring that and exploring social engineering a bit further. Um, I know there's it's such a powerful topic and it's been explored for the, the good that social engineering can do. But I think the, the problem that I see is that all of the mentions in kind of the media and, um, you know, society and popular culture are malicious and mm-hmm. they kind of mainly are cyber as well at the minute. We're starting to get um, smishing, which is text messages and voice messages yeah, yeah. as well. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just feel there's, there's so many rich avenues to, to keep exploring it. And that was in a really nice way. That was what first set me off, this kind of what, you know, can I trick somebody? And, and now I'm kind of looking around the whole issue and thinking, how can I stop somebody tricking someone? How can I yeah. be trick somebody using technology? How can I trick somebody doing this? And, mm-hmm. yeah, I just get, I get the feeling that I'll never run out of things to... Um, things to question so yeah I just kind of work for myself I collaborate with other companies to produce content and things and yeah it's just wow it's been really nice I think it's yeah. um, it's a great industry to to come into yeah now how can people get a hold of you um are you okay like giving that, out your contact like that info? <laughs> <laughs> that's just my girlfriend um oh. not, not in that way in when I've done something wrong um yeah. but yeah um yeah LinkedIn, James Linton. Um, actually, if you Google um, James Linton, I am the king of the James Linton. I am, okay, all right. I, am the, I, am the first. I love saying that. I don't know why. It sounds so idiotic. Um, sounds but yeah, well, if, you, like if, you, if you Google James Linton, you will find me. Um, and there uh, you can kind of have a look around um, and see what you like. But yeah, my website is uh, Whole w h o l e dot i o um and that goes into a few bits and bobs but yeah come, come by come say hi or i don't know how, how <laughs> and i'm never very, very good at the kind of the business side of things or kind of self-promotion i just get so passionate about the actual stuff that i'm doing but you know it is nice to um to speak to other people about um things that they're interested in because i often get to find perspective on things I've not realized as well. Yeah. Well, um, you're just fascinating. And I love that you're on the good side of things right now. And so um, I hope that people reach out to you, you know, for speaking or consulting or whatever that they need. And um, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies and Cover-Ups. Yeah. No, it's, um, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.